Welcome to another edition of the Smart Marks of Wrestling Podcast presented by thesportster.com and on Anchor.fm. Brandon, you're on the other line, I'm assuming. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing great, Jim. That was a slightly different intro than usual. It was, so it was it. subtle. It, it was subtle, but it was slightly different. <laughs> I haven't I thought did, about it until this very moment, and uh, I, did, I noticed I did it. Say I was going to try to switch it up just a tiny little bit. I didn't want to like just completely throw people for a loop with a totally different intro. Yeah, yeah, you kept it sort of familiar. Uh, kind of, um, you know, take the bandit off slowly, you know. <laughs> baby steps. Baby you guys steps. Take baby steps. Well, there's uh, there's a ton to go through. I mean, last week we talked about the all-out predictions and the show and the pay-per-view, and I thought it was pretty good. Uh, we'll get to that uh, for sure, but maybe we should cover a little bit of news first. I'll maybe let you start. What's the, the most newsworthy item of the week for you? Uh, it has to be Chris Jericho, right? Chris Jericho. Oh, okay. I mean, we'll talk about all that later, so spoiler if you haven't seen that. We're going to start with the main event finish right away. Uh, Chris Jericho is the first ever AEW World Champion which is great because he's also the first ever uh, WWE Undisputed Champion and the last, I believe, the last ever WCW World Champion, right? So yeah. just poetic he's got, there. Like, he's got a lot of first ever, last ever is on his name. Yeah. Being the last ever WCW Champion and the first ever AEW Champion is uh, pretty big. But that's not even the news. You know, Chris Jericho winning the title is news in itself. That's fine. But Chris Jericho losing the title and then Chris Jericho finding the title, that's, uh, well... Chris Jericho get the title back at the very least. That's uh, that's definitely the biggest news of the week, I'd say. Oh yeah, he's he's got nothing. He's got a bunch more first ever's and last ever's attached to his name now. They're just a whole lot less official. He's the <laughs> first ever. He's the first ever guy to lose a belt in a limousine at a Longhorn Steakhouse. He's the first ever person to file a police report for a lost world championship. Uh, he is the first ever person to have his bubbly promo go viral to uh limp biscuit <laughs> he's i don't know if you saw if you saw that meme or that get, get oh my gosh it's pretty funny um and then he's the first person to find it and cut a promo while the belt was lost and then another promo once he got it back and he may be the last ever to do all of these things too so i mean jericho is is truly just a golden child of wrestling even he's like kramer of seinfeld he falls back sure. backwards into everything yeah, the best thing about this is, uh, like, we know Chris Jericho is great, right? We know he's great. But we also aren't sure that this isn't a work, which, I mean, it probably isn't a work. But the fact that they, he was able to spin this in such a way that it makes it seem like it was a work is just Chris yeah. Jericho doing what Chris Jericho does best. Because we really don't know. And, we'll, I mean, we'll probably never know, right? Well, Unless yeah, I mean, when it talks first, about it. When it first happened, everybody assumed it was a, a joke. Yeah. And it worked. And then the then the police report out of Tallahassee, I think it was, came mm-hmm. out and then everyone's like, well, this is real. Yeah. And so, you know, then all of a sudden they the Tallahassee Police Department tweeted a photo that they'd found it like less than 24 hours later, but then deleted it. So yeah. then everybody's like, oh, it's a work again. They don't want him to let them know they found the belt until Jericho's had his chance to do his promos and talk about missing it and an investigator trying to find it and all this other stuff. And then... Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And so now you have no idea if it's a work or a shoot. You've got other wrestlers talking about it, taking shots at him. Court Graves made a little subtle jab during SmackDown about, you know, Drake Maverick going uh, to a restaurant with his new title and his limo. And Matt Hardy just put out a video this morning, they running back into a Longhorn Steakhouse, and he's like, oh my gosh, somebody tried to steal my belt, and he's actually got belts <laughs> that hold his pants up. You know, like, 
It's there were some really crazy. funny memes though that came from it. Oh, like, yeah. Other than that, there was like uh, the uh, like when Tallahassee, like the police, they had a picture of it. People are like, they had uh, the Wikipedia page said like the world champion was the Tallahassee Police Department. Uh, there was another thing that was like uh, Drake Maverick comes to like Raw holding the twenty four seven championship, and then Archer shows up and he has the uh, the AEW World Title. Is like, yeah, I'm the twenty four seven champion. Wait, that would have been so good. <laughs> that would have been so if if WWE had somehow found possession of this title. I'm not suggesting anybody would have taken it. If this was legit and somebody actually stole that belt, I'm not going to suggest for a second that it was somebody in WWE. But no, can you imagine no, if somehow that belt wound up in the hands of somebody in WWE and it showed up on WWE television? Like, would they use they it? Would, I'm so unlikely that that would ever happen, but man, oh man, would that have been awesome. I would say in the 90s, it might be a possibility. Maybe not WWE. It's something WCW would do. Um, I don't think WWE would ever do it, but especially not now. Like, there's no way. They got that belt. Triple H is immediately calling Cody and saying, hey, take your stupid belt back. Like, there's no way they're using our TV and then and starting that whole thing. There's well, no just chance. the fact that Sami Zayn had said something about AEW, AEW. Yeah. on one thing, and probably not coincidentally he like vanishes until just recently <laughs> but he pairs back up with Shinsuke Nakamura again you know like they don't want to talk about AEW reference AEW they know that they exist they're trying to stick it to them with this new NXT show moving to the USA and, but they're not talking about AEW on TV yeah. so it's not like they should bring it all time but yeah it was crazy like it was just a really strange story and you're right Jericho is smart whether or not he planned this whole thing or he's like oh crap i lost the belt <clears throat> i better make this work he so he started cutting promos without it i mean he he basically fell into some pretty unique stuff mm-hmm. yeah i mean yeah. <laughs> it's just gold material for a guy that doesn't need you to give him he, the guy can get anything over right his finisher right now is the back's like a swinging back elbow he, he's gotten the word it over a list over a scarf over it doesn't matter what it is he can get it over if you give him anything to work with like this, then he's just like, okay, this is just free. This is free publicity. Yeah. Whether it's a work or not, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, he can do anything he needs to do. Yeah. Well, we'll, uh, we'll jump back to Jericho here in a minute with the, the all out talk. Cause I got a lot of opinions about that pay-per-view, but the other major story this week that I just, I'm can't wrap my head around it. I, I made a video about this thing and I'm already, you know, 8,000 views and over a hundred comments on it. Ric Flair and Becky Lynch and this whole the man thing. I don't know what to make of this. It's it just to me it immediately screams Ric Flair is in financial trouble. Ric Flair is trying to get some sort of money out of WWE. I get there's a slight argument here that the man is a term associated to Ric Flair, but that he might be suing WWE over the phrase the man. It's a little crazy. Yeah, Ric Flair is just, I mean, look, the guy's getting older. The guy, whether he's in legal trouble or not, he's also, I mean, he's got to be losing some of his sanity at some point, right? Whenever I see him on WWE TV now and they give him any kind of talking points, I think, man, we've seen what he's done in, like, like interviews and stuff in the last couple of months and years. Is it really smart to give this guy a microphone right now? Like, you got to make sure that you can trust what he's going to say. And I think Ric Flair is a consummate professional, right? Like, in the ring, like, he, he's the man, right? He's one of the best ever. But... This is, yeah, I don't know what to make of it either. He's, uh, he can't be fully there. I'm not saying he's like, you know, you can't trust him to walk by himself down the street. 
I'm saying that like sometimes he's probably on the right mental health headspace to make these kind of decisions, and he's still making them because he's, yeah. he's he's Ric Flair who's going to stop him, right? Well, he's he's got a huge leash in terms of respect that he's earned over a career of doing so many good things. I mean, he he is a legend in the business, yes. but at some point, if you're a WWE, when do you wash your hands of this guy? Because he's been brought back at every opportunity that he would probably want to be used. WWE has thrown him a bone and said, sure, we'll use you. At the reunion, he was front and center with Hogan and Austin. You know, he every show where there's an opportunity to stick him on TV, they do, even though he probably shouldn't even be there. Like they're they're giving him a ton of opportunities that and he needs them. Like he is hanging on every last inch of this business, trying not to be irrelevant. And he's probably in financial struggles, you know, with all the medical stuff he's gone through and everything else that probably adds up like crazy. I'm sure they're helping him out there, too. But now that he's you know threatening to sue them. At what point do you, if you're WWE, you go, whatever, dude, like, we're done. We're, we're not going to do this anymore. This is, you know, us trying to work with you. Now you're trying to sue us over something like this. Um, I mean, I get it. Maybe he, if he wasn't on good terms with WWE already, then I would say, okay, whatever, go for it. But he, with this, he's really jeopardizing his future earning potential with them, his future relationship with them. And the news is that he's already you know, at odds with Charlotte over this thing that she's kind of sided with WWE and said, look, right or wrong, I don't care. I'm not choosing you in this battle. I'll choose them. And she's going to side with WWE. I mean, this, this isn't a, a wise long-term decision by him. This just screams short term. I need a few bucks. Let's yeah. figure out a way to get it. Oh, Hey, it's weird to me that he does. What's that? It's weird to me that he does, but I guess anything's possible. Finances are, a personal thing like you know, you don't know how people spend their money and how they they save their money or whatever but it's weird yeah. to me that if that's the case they were like rick flair of all people is struggling but i guess this well is i mean you, you, who who really knows what he has or doesn't have and which way sure. people talk about how he's in trouble and maybe he's got way more money than people think he does but the whole story is that you know the guy for years spent spent <laughs> it faster Everything. than he could make it yeah even though he was making thousands millions like he was just blowing through it. And if you add up the fact that medical bills have to be oh, weighed. Yeah. You know, I didn't think about that. Right? So it's hard as Canadians to think about that sometimes. Well, and you you got to realize, too, I mean, I don't know the details of it, and it's probably not fair to comment it, but the guy's been married like five times. That's right? true. So when you go through divorces, those aren't cheap, right? No. So you have all of that, plus the spending, plus the fact that he probably spends less than he used to, but at the same time, when you get in those habits and you – you spend money like that, it's hard to not spend money like that, right? So he may be spending money he doesn't have. I have no idea. Maybe it's not fair to comment on what we don't know, but those are the rumors that are out there is that he just doesn't he doesn't have a way to maintain his level of spending and he's not making the money he used to make, right? So yeah, I don't know. But it's just that he would sue them over this. I, I don't I don't think he's I mean what do you think? Do you think there's even a case here that the man versus to be the man, you got to beat the man. That that's even a marketable thing that he can he can go after. He does own the rights to to be the man. You got to beat the man. Yeah, but the man is different. I guess I don't know how like what the actual trademarks are here. So it's tough to actually um, like make an opinion or an educated guess on this. I need to know what the actual like legal ramifications are uh, or legal uh, details are with this when it comes to who owns what. I assume 
WWE has the man trademarked for purposes of merchandise and whatnot. Uh, and I assume it sure. doesn't. It'd be hard to know if you can even trademark that. You could. Um, and I know this specifically because... Do you remember the game Candy Crush? I'm sure it's still a very popular game. Uh, sure. The company King, they ended up trademarking the word candy for use in many different forms. So, Or they at least they attempted to trademark. I don't know if they actually got it. I think they did. But, like, any kind of merchandise use in video games, use in movies, stuff like that. Like, I think, like, they have the word candy or they tried to get it. Uh, they're yeah, different. I, like, it's I'd stuff like that, that right? Yeah. I would be more leaning towards the fact that they probably tried to get it and weren't successful. But who knows? I don't know the story about that one. But I have heard in the past where people try to trademark things that they get, you know, declined because they're just like Donald Trump tried to trademark you're fired. And so did Vince McMahon. And they can't because so many people use those words and those terms you can't trademark something that is so commonly used that candy seems to be strange that you could you could trademark that like it just seems odd to be the man to you got to beat the man that's a pretty specific sentence right so i could see how that would be trademarked and he does own that but the man i guess depending on how you use it i don't know i'd have to look it up and see what they've got but yeah i don't i mean from what i hear he tried to go to them and say, look, I think you owe me for this. I really spent years making this popular. And they just brushed him off. They're like, yeah, no, that's not happening. And that, so, that's the only reason at this point that he is looking at a lawsuit was because they just shoved him off. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Uh, there, like, a phrase like that is much easier to trademark, um, especially when you use it so often. The, the word candy, it was the word candy and the word saga because it was Candy Crush Saga. And I'm pretty sure... They really ended up getting rid of their trademarks. Now that I think more about it, but uh, I do think that they were like legitimately trying to get it, and that's just crazy that this is even a possibility. And there's like a whole it was a big controversy. I remember that because people were like, "You can't co uh, copyright the words Candy and Sega and any kind of game titles." And then that copyright, like I said, spread out to other areas as well. So yeah. I, I think they ended up moving on from that. But they, there's other things as well, like. It was a whole thing, but that's not that's not the point of the podcast. So I think yeah, that well, no, yeah, that's fine. And I mean, this story kind of does. It, there may be more to it, and maybe it just disappears. But the last we've heard is that Becky Lynch just tweeted out, "I am the man." Yeah. That's that's all she wrote. She's like, "I am the man." Like it's she clearly doesn't care. WWE clearly doesn't care. The only one who probably cares here is Ric Flair because he thinks he's old or entitled to something, which. If he is having financial struggles, he ain't. This ain't going anywhere. The resources yeah. WWE have versus the resources he have. At some point, if this does anything in his benefit, it'll be like WWE here. Just take a little money, Rick, and go away. Right? Like they'll yeah. figure out something on the side. Don't forget, WWE... Triple H is also very much, uh, much in charge in a lot of ways, right? And Rickler still is his best friend. So you have to figure at some point if there really is an issue here, it can be resolved. Like that, what you just said makes perfect sense to me. It's, a, it's an issue that can be resolved, and it just seems like Ric Flair spoke out of turn and made it public for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing with Rick. That's why I, I go back to the whole idea. When you're WWE, even if you're Triple H or you're Vince, you're trying to help this guy out. At what point do you just wash your hands of it and go, you yeah. know what? We, we keep doing sometimes. what we can do for you, and you keep opening your mouth. And we can't have this anymore, so we're done. Until you yeah. shut up, we're done, right? Like, at some point, that may happen here. So that would be a bummer. Um, well, let's let's switch gears just a little bit. There's some some rumors here that we know, already know Raw and SmackDown are going to be up for some major changes here in the next few weeks. Um, 
So is NXT, for that matter. NXT is moving sure. to the USA in just under two weeks at this point now. They're going to be moving over to the USA Network. Raw will be staying where it is, uh, but SmackDown will be moving to Fox in about a month's time. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of news coming out about this whole move and these transitions over to the new networks and what's happening, the latest of which is that WWE is going to have another supplemental draft and that they're going to be moving these rosters around. And the word is that Raw will be Raw, SmackDown will be SmackDown, NXT will be NXT, and these guys won't go anywhere. So once they're on the shows, they'll be on those shows and be unique talents to those shows. And it's even filtering down as far as the announce crew goes. And the rumor is now that Renee Young will be moving to SmackDown. And Corey Graves will be sticking on one of the shows, but we don't think both. And uh, there's a lot of change coming here. What's your first reaction to the idea? I mean, we've talked about this at great length on this podcast about you know, the wild card rule and guys moving back and forth between shows. And what's your first reaction to the idea that these guys are going to stay put on one brand or another now? Good. I mean, I've been a big advocate for a while now for wanting to have the brand split be a split. Uh, I think it's better for business when you have legitimate competition, uh, even if it's, you know, if it's all a work regardless. Uh, Paul Heyman always said back in the day, like, it was a legitimate competition for him, Raw versus SmackDown and stuff. Like, that wasn't... Uh, it, it was obviously a work for TV, but they actually believed it. Like they wanted their show to be better than the other guy's show. And when you throw in Eric Bischoff into the mix, there, you know, as calm as he's gotten in recent years, he's still Eric Bischoff. That guy's still going to want to win. And I'm sure while him and Paul Heyman aren't, you know, at odds with each other, they both have such a competitive uh, spirit that they're going to do the best they can with that. Then you put in NXT, and you've got Triple H running that brand, and you've got another very competitive guy. Who, albeit, like, I mean, they all know it's best for business, but I'd say Triple H is probably, um, right now at least, he's gotten to the point where he's the smartest at, at figuring out what's best for everything. And that's only because he has the most stake in the company. Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff, if things don't work out, who cares, right? Triple H, this is, this company is going to be his, his and Stephanie's, sooner than later. So why would he not want to make sure that everything legitimately is best for business? Um so I'm, I'm a big supporter of the brand split, and I think that you, you, you really can't get a better product than if you have three distinct shows. I, I know that I'm not alone in that, but I also know that there's people on the other side of the fence. So what do you think? I, I've been watching the the way that they've been treating moving people around, and I've always found it a little bit interesting that some guys get to move and some guys kind of don't. Like, if you've been watching SmackDown recently, over the last almost a month at this point, Roman Reigns hasn't been on Raw. He's been almost exclusively on SmackDown. But you get guys like Daniel Bryan. You get guys like The Miz. You get guys like... They just go back and forth every week. And so why are some guys moving and some guys aren't? Why is Braun Strowman never on SmackDown? You know, like, Mm -hmm. there's... Is it because of the live house shows? And they need those guys on those shows when they're not filming? Like, I don't know what the reason for it is. So there's no it doesn't appear from the outside looking in that there's any rhyme or reason to why they're moving guys around. So that has always been a little strange to me. I'm okay with the idea of just keeping your shows separate from each other. What I'm going to be interested to see is you brought up an interesting point. Like Triple H will be looking after NXT, but he is the only one of the three who has to look at it from a big macro view of what is best for WWE, right? Yeah. Not just what's best for NXT. What's best for everyone? Paul Heyman can look after just Raw. Bischoff can look after just SmackDown. He doesn't... They shouldn't care about the other one. Like, Heyman will do everything to make Raw as good as it can be at the expense of NXT or SmackDown. Whereas Triple H 
will have to do what he can for NXT, but he also has to make sure that Raw and SmackDown do well because, like you said, he is in line at some point to get all of it. Mm-hmm. So you can't hurt the other two brands while making NXT the brand everybody loves, if you get what I'm saying, right? So it'll be interesting to see who gets who. Like, if you're Heyman and you're Bischoff and you're NXT and Triple H and you go, okay, here's who I don't want to give you now that we're moving to USA. Here's who I want that you're not using. Heyman's like, no, I want this guy on Raw. Bischoff's like, no, I want this guy on SmackDown. Like, where does that fall? I mean, they're going to have to have extensive conversations for a very long period of time fighting with each other probably over who gets who like it's or WWE just says, here's who your group is. Here's who your group is. Here's who your group is. This is what you got. Like, how does that work? Right. So because once you have them, you have them. So how do you decide? Okay, here's this show. Here's that. I mean, WWE will do their best to make sure every show is stacked because every network now matters. Smackdown at Fox. You can't disappoint Fox USA. You can't disappoint them. Like, they'll do their best to make sure all the shows are doing well. But, yeah, that'll be interesting to me because once you move them and you keep them there, you take the chance that one show is stacked and one show is not. Yeah, you. it's hard to balance it. So and they've always kind of, be... like, leaned towards Raw, right? But, it, I mean, hopefully it changes now where you have – it's not just, okay, well, we have our shows and blah, 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 and, like, our big network is Raw. Now you have two major networks, involved in this and, and that's why the whole brand split fell apart in the first place right the uh with the after the draft like immediately after the draft everything kind of like the uh, fell apart with the wild card rule and stuff so if you have both fox and nbc with uh you know their their own interests in mind you can't just stack one roster yeah and i really really hope that one of raw or one of smackdown changes this look dramatically you know like mm-hmm. Because it, it, there is something to be said for being a WWE brand and looking like a WWE program and a product presented by WWE. But if you really want to separate these shows and make people think that they're different from each other, you got to change the look of one of them. Like, you can't have Raw and SmackDown only be different because one is red and one is blue. Sure. Like, you, you need... Like, NXT looks very different from the other two products, right? Yeah. Smaller arenas, gray mat, you know, darker film... Like... It's just different, right? So SmackDown needs to be different from Raw, and that'll be that'll be more important to me than the rosters. Like, if the show can look different, new music, new set, new everything, that, that'll be the real tell about how much WWE is trying to separate these two things. Yeah, that's one thing I noticed about all that as well, was just AEW keeps putting different sets together. It's not the same look every time, and that's just, I mean, I prefer that. But uh, before we do get to AEW, I do want to also talk about CM Punk. Uh, because okay. there's been some stuff. I mean, did you see any like the Starcast interviews and stuff? Like, let's I did, I did see that. some of it. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. It just it's super interesting. Um, like him talking he about was very, he was very cordial. Like that's what I'm really, saying. Yeah, he seems like really he's not calm. bitter at all. Uh, like he said, like he wouldn't not talk to them, right? Like he said, look, they suspended me. They didn't come back to get me. That's not on me to go talk to them, right? If they call me, I'm not going to not talk to them. You better have something good to offer. But like he's like. I, just give, give me your offer, and maybe I come back. Right? It's like I'm 40 years old. I'm not here to be, you know, co- controversial or confrontational or look to pick any kind of fights with you guys. Like if you guys, he's he's also hasn't really. Outside the one podcast interview, he hasn't bashed WWE. Like he's not been an anti WWE guy. He's just been out of wrestling. He said, you know what, I'm done. Then there's also the Chicago Bears. Uh, 
basically like they tweeted out a, a video and it was Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch and they're on vacation and CM Punk quote tweeted it's like vacation with a bunch of exclamation marks and like you know an emoji like making fun of it almost but like in good fun and we know that Seth Rollins and CM Punk have history uh, on NXT you know they have that little like face to face thing CM Punk called one of his matches in NXT as a when he's the WWE champion the Shield that whole thing with CM Punk like you know he obviously likes Seth Rollins they're both Ring of Honor guys so it doesn't surprise me. They're both like Ring of Honor alternative guys as well. So there's a whole thing. And he's also very good Seth Rollins. So if CM Punk really is starting to break down those walls and maybe be more approachable with it, because that's the thing. While he hasn't said anything negative and he hasn't in front of the scenes anyway outside of the one podcast appearance, and he hasn't been like anti-WWE, he hasn't been the most approachable guy either, I'm sure. That being said, we don't know what happens behind the scenes and maybe... He hasn't been as stubborn as we think. Maybe it's all been blown out of proportion, but it has been five or six years. Um, but yeah, he, like he seems to be fine. And he, he even said like during the interview when the, the Rock question was asked. I don't know if you saw that one. But they're talking about when the Rock called it from Staples Center live uh, during the filming of the movie. Yeah, and uh, he was like, "Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like, also, thank you to like to the fans. Like, it's a testament." He's like, "I don't know to what, but it's a testament that like that they're still chanting my name five, six years later." He's like, it's to the point where people that have never seen me hate my guts because all they hear is my name chanted. So he doesn't hate it. He doesn't hate well, the fans talking he, about it. He's smart. You know, like, I, I agree with most of what you said there, but I, I do think that there is something that CM Punk is smart that he's doing, which is he might not be bashing them. There was a period of time after that when he left that he wasn't kind to WWE, and he had a right to not be kind. That was a bad situation you know, they faxed him on his wedding day to let him know they were done with him. Like, just stuff like that. And he did feel like he had a beef over that medical stuff, right or wrong. He felt like that was something that was done wrong to him by WWE. But he seems to be over it now. But what I find interesting is that while he might not be bashing them, he's smart enough to stay relevant by making slight comments. You talk about the Bears stuff with Rollins and Lynch. Like, joking or not joking... If he really doesn't want to be associated to wrestling, he doesn't make that comment. You right. know what I mean? Like, he doesn't go on Twitter and say vacation, exclamation point, quotation. Like, like he's being sarcastic. Because like, if you don't want to be associated to wrestling and you're sick and tired of people asking you about wrestling, you probably should not comment on wrestling stuff. Right? But he is, which keeps him in the back of people's minds. You know, that he showed up for StarCast was awesome for fans. But if he didn't want to be even remotely associated with wrestling, he wouldn't have done that conference. You know yeah, what I mean? So he's sticking sure. around to keep that option possibly oh, open, yeah. right? Yeah. So that at some point, if he decides he wants to come back, he knows that there's still an appetite for his return and people want to see it, right? And it's smart. It's absolutely a genius thing to do. What I thought was the most interesting part about the whole deal was just how calm he was. Like when you hear about his comments and he seems to be frustrated with the fact that people won't drop this thing and they're talking and he's just like, it's almost like every report you read or read, it's written in a sense, a tone that he's just snotty about it, right? Like, and that's just stop asking, at not coming it. back, whatever. But he wasn't like that at all during that interview. No, not even like, a He was bit. very, very open to ask, answering the questions. He didn't seem to be bothered by the fact that people asked. And the very first question that was even approached to him before fans started asking what it was, is he coming back? What's he doing? You know, stuff like that. Like, he was cool about it. He didn't get frustrated about having to answer those things. And he said, every conference I ever do, every Comic-Con, every everything is a wrestling conference for me because that's all people want to talk about. And he seemed totally okay with it, right? And that that seemed that was surprising to me. I figured he'd be annoyed, right? And he wasn't. Mm -hmm. So 
I, I get the sense that at some point he will return. And I get more of a sense now that it will be with WWE and not AEW. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm leaning as well. Um, AEW would be cool. WWE would be even cooler. I just can't wait one day to hear just the beginning of Cult's personality hit. Like that, you know, like the, the static that I'm going to pop so hard. I don't want to any. I don't want to see any kind of rumor about it. I want to just. I want it to just happen. I want to be shocked. I want to be surprised, and I want everyone to just like get to experience it together. Yeah, I'm hoping. You know, I'm. Uh, this is going to be misread as me being a WWE guy, but I'm hoping it is with WWE. I think the history there is just prime for that return to mean way more. Yeah. Um And that'll be that'll be better if it happens. But you know, we're we're hinting at this AEW stuff, so maybe we should go there. Um, sure. There's a lot going on going on in AEW. I mean, the Punk stuff, the Jericho stuff. Um, but we might as well start with All Out. Um, I have opinions about the pay per view. What did you think about the pay per view? I thought it was good. I thought it was like really good. And in a situation where they had to deliver, like I said, because um, they right now it's kind of all must deliver shows, and this one was really hyped up to be the show. Uh, they delivered, uh, and the match of the night that we thought would be the match of the night was the match of the night, and we'll get to that for sure later on. But uh, all in all, I was I was very happy with uh, with what I saw. Yeah, I thought half the pay per view was excellent. I thought the other half was not good. I thought the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks match was unreal. You yes. know, we talked last week about how I was disappointed with the video game version at you know Fight for the Fall, and this just blew everything like of that out of the water. This was so good, and. It was almost too good in that there was just so many spots that you just couldn't keep up with it. But it was well, it was I think it was Golden Boy after he said like, "Well, they're gonna show like a highlight package. They might as well just show the whole match again." Like, yeah, <laughs> it was such a. It's probably one, maybe like one of the greatest matches I've ever seen in my life. Like it, it was, was crazy. If if you were if you're into those types of matches where it's just spot after spot after spot after spot, like you would you have to like sort of set aside the expectation that some of this is real when you watch a match like that because for sure, yeah. some things for a few seconds are just like standing there waiting for the guy to jump on you. Those sorts of things you have to kind of put aside your disbelief there and go, okay, you know why they're doing it so that this move is done safely, mm-hmm. but the move itself is going to be cool. So you can do whatever. There was a lot of that in that match where people were just sort of standing there waiting. And But that said, there was a lot of opportunity to where that could have happened and it didn't. And if things looked and flowed very smoothly, you know, guys being in the right time, right place at the right time, just barely, you know, like it was it was just a really well done match with a lot of cool things. And I love the fact that we called it right. Lucia Bros won the thing, yeah. you know, like Young Bucks finally didn't go over. They put Lucha Bros over like it was it was well done from start to finish. And the right guys won. Yeah. And I mean, this is they're going to have matches again for sure. I think maybe you take a little bit of time off of it because you've done so much with these guys and they've already... I, I'm surprised Dave Meltzer didn't give them a five-star rating for the first match they had at Double or Nothing, but all out, he gave them uh, 5.25 stars, right? So five and a quarter. And that's... Well, we I mean, I could even go higher than that if I, if I was uh, rating the match. We know the match ain't going to happen for a while now because now Young Bucks have a new beef. LAX showed up. We called that one. Yep, you that know, was great. That was whether, the shocker. Whether we thought it was going to be that pay-per-view or later on the TNT show, they did show up. And mm-hmm. you now know that LAX, or whatever they're going to call them, um, and the Young Bucks are going to be at odds all the way leading into the first few shows on TNT, which is great, right? Like, you talk about CM Punk maybe going to WWE and how that would be a better fit. I think LAX is a much better fit for AEW. 
and they arguably have a much stronger tag division than WWE does now. And I know that you were a huge advocate for making sure that if you're going to do anything in AEW, you better make sure your tag division kicks everybody else's butt because it's super important. You already have a good one. So make that the strength of your roster. And they certainly did by signing those two guys. Yeah, you're talking about one of the best tag teams in the world to join one of the best tag teams in the world who are already fighting against one of the best tag teams in the world. Having three of the best, that sounds like a pretty good formula to me. And that's not that's only the main event picture too. Like there were other tag team matches on the show that I thought were done very well. You know, we've talked about uh, you know, the best friends and how they're they may not be like your main event uh, team, but they're still a team that can be used and and they can look good in a win or a loss. There's the Dark Order who uh, we've correctly said that they're going to win. But in that victory, they also, or in the loss, sorry, the best friends also got a new friend, which I thought was great. And I saw that you were you weren't uh, opposed to it. You thought it was kind of good. You yeah, they used it, Orange Cassidy know, correctly. Yeah, they did. They if they're gonna put him in there, then I'm still gonna it, wait like six months to a year before I yeah. say I was right. Like I said, I'm not gonna say it the first time you see him because that's the whole point. You can use him right once, but we'll see how they use him in the future. But prospects are looking promising. Yeah, no, the, if you're going to use them, that's a good spot to put them. So I was okay with that. I'm not completely ruling him out. I just, I think putting a huge emphasis and strong promotion behind this guy being one of your stars is going to be a mistake. But in using him this way was okay. Um, one of the matches that was really disappointing for me was the Cody Rhodes-Sean Spears match. I know, man. I called that one too, I did. but like, I'm so upset I called it right. <laughs> like it was just the Tully Blanchard and like Arn Anderson show, right? Like, well, yeah, you did call Arn Anderson showing up, which I thought might be too early, but he, you were right, he did show up. Um, the issue, though, like, just, the reason we didn't want it is because, like, I said, will Arn Anderson show up? And then your thought was, like, probably not, because like it's just you don't want to take away from it, right? And I agreed. If Arn Anderson shows up, you're really taking away from the match. Weirdly enough, though, Arn Anderson showing up wasn't even the biggest thing. It was just Tully Blanchard. Like, it was just him constantly involved in every single spot of the match. What was yeah. the point of that? And then just bailing. You know, and then like, you complain about that kind of stuff from WWE and then to do it yourself. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a very WWE move. And I'm okay with the idea that what happened here is going to now lead into the main event, which is the next pay-per-view is Full Gear, Jericho versus Rhodes. I mean, that makes, match makes sense to me. And why he's there makes sense to me. But I don't like the fact that they did this at the expense of Sean Spears. Like, yeah, that I don't he, know he was that. a guy that you really could have done something with by having him get a win, and he didn't get it. In fact, not only did he not get it, he looked kind of dumb in losing. Mm-hmm. Like, he was relying on Blanchard. Then when he didn't have him anymore, it was a foregone conclusion he was probably going to lose. Like, that was just a really that, – that we're talking about WWE stuff that everybody critiques him for. That was the thing that they do, that you don't understand the logic behind it. Well, AEW just did it. They're just like, okay, here's our guy. We've been talking and talking and talking about how we think he's going to be a main event guy. Oh, well, yeah, no, he just lost. And all the buildup that we did for him, they've just basically stopped his momentum, you know, right on the track. He's not going anywhere now. And it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. But I didn't like that decision at all. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, the whole spot didn't make sense to me. And then having, like you said, Sean Spears be the guy on the, the wrong end of it when – <laughs> it seems like he could be their guy as, you know, a legitimate top heel, or they think that anyway. And then this happens. Maybe I mean, there's probably more to the story than this. It's probably going to keep going, and it's, it's probably going to unfold differently. But again, you know, Cody won. Cody's the only one of the of the big four that did win their match, to be honest, right? 
Um, and if you want to include well, Hangman Page in there, even Hangman. Yeah. They all lost just, except for, for Cody. Well, and the other match that was su- completely surprising to me was the Pac Kenny Omega match. I mean, that I, was. I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was a good match, but I did not. The decision and the finish. Man, oh man! Like, what? What's the plan? What's the long term plan here for Omega? Yeah, I don't know because now he's just he can't buy a victory. Seems right. Like he's the one that's taking the fall every time. Well, and he's like coming into the match. He's sort of turned heel. And it's funny how, I mean, I said this a long time ago, and in the injury, I didn't expect it to happen. But look how quickly John Moxley has sort of just disappeared. Like, yeah. he was a huge thing. He was the biggest story in AEW, and he is completely forgotten about at this point. And Omega's turned heel, maybe. You know, Moxley might come back as the babyface, maybe. Pac, it looks like he's now signed, because why would you give a win to a guy who you don't have signed? And he came in after the show was over and the press conference with Adam Page and sort of interrupted him. So you know that that's going to continue. Um, so that's good, I guess, that you got Pac on your roster officially now. But, yeah, I don't know what – I mean, you can't be worried about Omega because he's part of the executive committee, so you know there's a future there for him. But Yeah, for sure. You talk about these wins and losses, well, his record's not good. And he's the opposite of Cody Rhodes at this point. So what do they do with him? Are they going to – just keep having him lose and then he turns heel and has to work his way back up or are they just going to give him a bunch of big wins in the next couple pay-per-views like i don't know what that means exactly and if he does need the wins and he's going to feud with moxley is that almost a guarantee that moxley's not going to win that match when he comes back like and if that's the case that's not good for moxley who we're already forgetting about right so yeah it's interesting i mean it just goes to show you that for all these people who think oh aw is so great and they're going to save the wrestling they have their own problems too you know, like they they have booking issues and decisions they got to make that not everybody's going to agree with. And I'm it's already watching. This. Yeah, I'm already watching the show going. I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. But, and it's like very like obvious things, too. But if they have long term plans in mind and maybe we're going to, you know, we'll eat our words. But a lot of these decisions seem to be short term for now. And like I said, this is all a pre-show anyway. It's all temporary. Uh, it doesn't really matter until you have the the actual television show, and that's coming up soon, right? About a month, so that that's when things really start. That's when these wars really begin, I think. Yeah. Well, and now that LAX is here, who does Jericho bring in in his tag match, which is supposed to be a surprise? He's got two mystery partners he's bringing in. I'll tell you the other thing I was really weirded out. Like it wasn't weirded out, but just thought it was odd. Was we? I think we mentioned it last week, but we knew at least I wrote that Tennille Dashwood, Emma, was going to be on the show. Well, she was for five seconds. Like yeah. she comes out, she's in the ring, she's gone, and I have no issue with Nyla Rose winning that. But I thought that battle royal was terrible, and mm-hmm. I thought that it's Tenille not what Dashwood I thought it should stuff, be. Oh, and I thought the Tennille Dashwood stuff was absolutely pointless. Like if you're Impact Wrestling, what are you doing that for? Yeah, why you are know, you wasting that spot if you're AEW? And if you're Impact, why are you letting your star go over there to look like they're irrelevant? Yeah, why you lend your person over there to just have them look like the biggest loser in the most throwaway match of the night? Like, that that battle royal, it just really shows you that their women's division is not good. You know, they need, they need to do some serious work to get it up to speed. Like, that they had that casino battle royal on the pre-show that it was kind of a flop in the way that they put it together, that they were using people like Dashwood really not a good way. And then who was the, I don't even remember, like, that's that's how much it shows you. Who was the one who won the match that's going to be facing Nyla Rose? Uh, was it Rio? That won yeah, the match? Rio. 
Like that's that's how you know that it's not. I couldn't even remember the other challenger, right? Like uh-huh. that's going to be the match, it, it, whether it's a full gear or whatever. Like it's just not. They need a lot of work there in their women's division, and you know that battle royal was kind of just sort of shows you everything you need to know about how much work they got to do to get up to stuff. I mean, their roster is good, but it needs more work, and they're getting there. But the women's division is not not where it should be. Yeah, well, like I said, you you have a situation where you really need to show that the women's division is one of the best in the world, and they just didn't do that. And I thought Nyla Rose, like we said, could potentially win it, but Britt Baker was definitely another option. So they had a few people in there that could have legitimately won. I also thought, we didn't talk about this, I thought that Kylie Ray, I said it specifically, is like you know a wild card and, and someone who we should really look out for because uh, her future in wrestling is really bright. And I don't think I could have been more wrong on that mark. You want to uh, well, watch him? <laughs> yeah, well, we gotta, we'll gotta. we have to be careful in what we say because we don't know the situation with Kylie Ray and what's going on. But from what we what we do know is that after the pay-per-view was over, Tony Khan did interviews with the media. Somebody asked about her status because she wasn't in the Battle Royal. And that was a surprise for some people. And he said, yeah, she called. She said, didn't want to work with us anymore. Asked for her release and we gave it to her. And so when they said, well, what's wrong? He said, I don't really know. I asked her if everything was okay. She said, yes. Um, and it looks like she's done. Like she's not yeah, just done with AEW. She's done with wrestling. Like she's removed her Twitter profile, her social media stuff, any references to wrestling. She's, she's gone. So hopefully everything's okay there. And whatever it is she's going through is not, you know, a long-term thing. And that mm-hmm. at some point she'll be back. Cause I did, I agree. I thought she had a future. You know, to yeah. me, she was like kind of like the Bailey of AEW with a lot of potential to be, you know, a huge baby face star that people could really get behind and sort of love to watch because she was fun and, you know, upbeat and, and that stuff. But yeah, that just came out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I couldn't have been more wrong on, on I, and look, I mean, I think she's great. I wouldn't have said it otherwise. But uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll never see. Maybe this just fades away and she's just done and she takes a step away from it, which. I mean, that's great. You know, do what you have to do. And I think people get too entitled to having to know every detail of everyone's life. You know, I, CM Punk, like I said, he's kind of stayed quiet for most of it. He's done his thing. He's done his, he's changed careers. He did it properly, but everyone hates him for it for no reason because they've made this whole thing up in their heads. So if she wants to just take a step back and leave wrestling, I hope it's, you know, for nothing super serious. And like you said, good for her for getting out of she needed to. Yep. And we'll just quickly, we'll touch on it. She's not the only one. Casey Catanzaro of NXT and American Ninja Warrior fame and stuff like that. She looks like she might be done too. We, we, the story's mm-hmm. a little more confusing there. It sounded like some of the reports were that she hurt her back and the injury scared her off of being in wrestling anymore. But then she put out some tweets that, you know, she was going to show people other, like very generic kind of um, cryptic sort of tweets about like, maybe she's not done. So we don't really know the whole story there. Hopefully she's not done. I thought she had a really huge career ahead of her, and I think WWE really was hoping she would be, you know, a big deal because she brought that crossover appeal from American Ninja Warrior with her, and she is unique in that she's little, she could fly around the ring, she does some pretty cool stuff. So hopefully she's not done. Uh, she won't be out of the picture being Ricochet's girlfriend and all, but um, you know, it was interesting to find that out too. Um, yeah, another big piece of news, right? Yeah, but we and I'll we'll switch here because when we talked about Kylie Ray and I brought up Bailey's name, we we should probably not ignore what just happened on Be, Before Raw we go Smackdown to that, I I do want to talk about that. Before we do that, I do want to talk about one more match on uh, All Out because okay, it sure. was really good 
It was the uh, Jimmy Havoc versus Darby Allen versus Joey Janela match, oh, yeah. which is amazing to me because you picked Janela, if I remember correctly, and I picked Darby yes. Allen. Yeah. <laughs> and Jimmy Havoc won it in a match that featured maybe like some of the most insane spots, like especially one of the most insane spots I've ever seen in wrestling. Uh, you really must be talking great. about the barrel onto the steps. Yeah, that was just insane. I can't believe it didn't go poorly. Like they're so lucky. Uh, another ma- another like really cool spot uh, outside of everything from the Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers match was when uh, Adam Page did the shooting star press off of the apron and Jericho, being such a good, great veteran, jumped into the impact to like help him land. But that was another spot. But yeah, that that barrel off the top uh, of the turnbuckle into the stairs, like, just insane. That match was yeah. really good. It was everything you expected to be. And I think that these three could be really, really, really interesting for a long time in, uh, in AEW. Yeah, it was amazing to me, actually. Janela was the one of the three that stood out the least, and I figured he'd stand out the most. Mm-hmm. Between Havoc eating those staples, like, <laughs> or the oh. tax, the tax, right? Yeah. Like, you're, you're, you're watching that, and I'm going, okay, how are they doing that? And then you realize, okay, they've taped it, so he can't swallow them, but he's got to keep them in his mouth for, what, four or five minutes? Like, so have you ever tried to, like, not swallow yeah. When your mouth is closed and you're breathing out your nose, like it's Things extremely just fall down difficult. your throat. Yeah, it's yeah, it's extremely difficult to do. So just that alone, I was like impressed with the fact that he had those tacks in his mouth for however long he had to not try to swallow or whatever it was. Like, how the heck did he do that? Like that They're stuff really like good. that is just is crazy, right? And then Darby Allen was unreal. Like just the I'm he reminds me so much of Jeff Hardy that. He is going to at some point, hopefully not, but he's going to hurt himself seriously. Like some of those spots he does, are they're an inch from going badly, right? They're so sure. cool when they work and they look tremendous when they go over okay. But man, oh man, like all he had to do was be an inch off of that stairs to have caught that wrong or, you know, other just crazy stuff. Like he was great, but I do worry when I watch him because it's like, one inch from going real bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, oh, yes. it, was, it was so entertaining, but it could have been so bad. But, I mean, that's part of what makes it so entertaining is you know how insane of a spot it is. So, And these guys seem willing to do that. And like I said, this is Darby Allen's like second appearance, and he's just looked like second like major appearance, and he's looked so good in both. And I think that he could be a star in the industry. Well, I, and when you consider, too, the piece of news that dropped the other day, and it, it might have been out there already, but – that AEW is going to get a TV 14 rating when they go to TNT means that there's more, there's more of this to come, you know, like they're, they're not going to shy away from that kind of stuff. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much they focus on guys like him and, you know, in two hour programming on TNT, how much of that time do those guys get? And it sounds like with the way the show is going, they're going to get quite a bit. So Mm -hmm. that'll be really cool. Okay. So do you think we've officially covered all out? Should we move on to Ron SmackDown? Sure. Okay, I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about other than Bailey. You know, yeah. that was the big story out of this week was that she turned and joined Sasha Banks and leveled Becky Lynch. And she was on both Raw and SmackDown talking about people moving from show to show. She was on both shows and played the heel part. Um, what do you do? You like it? Do you think that it was a surprise to me? I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. But are you are you good I'm with not... the fact that Bailey is a heel at this point? I think she should be a heel. I think they kind of like hinted that she hasn't been like a baby face in a while. She hasn't been a heel, but she hasn't been like a legitimate baby face either. So I think they're kind of slowly uh, pushing towards this. 
I thought they did it in a great way. And I think right now the two most entertaining people on Raw and SmackDown are Sasha Banks and Bailey, which who would have thought that a year ago when they were both so boring and no one wanted to see them, which is disgusting because we know how talented they both are. So this is finally Bailey's getting her, her time to shine and she looks great with it. And Sasha Banks right now is maybe the hottest heel in wrestling. Well, I will give you the fact that Sasha is you know, probably the the hot topic of wrestling right now. But to me, those promos are cringeworthy. Yeah, oh she's never God. been great on the mic. As, as, uh, unless she's terrible. a box character where she has like a crush to fall back on. Um, the the content is fine. The delivery isn't. And I think that's what makes it worse. The yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what's so hard to, to gra- wrap your head around is that she has got a built-in reason to deliver A-plus promos. And she's dropping the ball massively. Like that... Yeah. That first draw back where she stood in the ring to start the show, and it was awful. It was so bad, that promo, and it just felt like it dragged on, and she didn't know what she wanted to say, and she couldn't get it out. And then she was a little bit better, you know, this past week, but she didn't have as much to say. I just, Bailey's going to be helpful, I think, because Bailey can deliver a much better promo than Sasha Banks can, and them working together might save Sasha Banks from having to be responsible for those promos all by herself. But I just thought those were terrible. It just, it goes to show you that Sasha Banks might be, and this is maybe an, a popular opinion. She might be the most overrated female on the roster. She is, she's a huge hot commodity right now. And her storyline is the talk of the women's division, but she's not good on the microphone. <laughs> and I think she's, <laughs> that she's, was a really funny to me. she's a good she's wrestler, but good. she's also overrated. There too, right? That's fair. Yeah, uh, I, so, I think it's very fair to say that and to think that she is really good, but people might rate her better than she is, and, and that could come down to. I mean, you and I were both big fans of the boss character and stuff, right? But yeah. that doesn't mean that she's just the best of the best, right? Becky Lynch is very clearly above Sasha Banks as far as an all-around talent. I would say that Alexa Bliss is above Sasha Banks as an all-around talent because of her ability to perform in the ring and on the mic. Um, I'm not saying, I think that Sasha's better in the ring, but I think that because Alexa Liz is so much better on the mic, that kind of levels the playing ground a bit. Uh, Charlotte, and I don't like her mic skills, like I said, but I think she's probably you know number two in the company as far as the women's division goes. It, it's hard to argue against that. If you talk about Becky Lynch is number one, who's number two? It has to be Charlotte. And then what? You have Bailey, who I think is actually really good on the mic, surprisingly, but she's actually not being held down to like the hug gimmick and stuff, and she actually does really well. And in the ring, she's very good. Uh, yeah. Sasha Banks is also known for making a lot of mistakes in the match or botching a lot of moves. And some of that can come down to nerves. Some of that can come down to just like having like being forced into high spots. But when you're doing that, you know, the, the stars deliver. And I, look, I, we both think she's great. We're not bashing her. We think she is the hottest thing in wrestling right now. But we have to see her like turn the corner and really push into uh, you know, the, the star that we think she is. And maybe then she'll finally have a title reign longer than a week or something, right? Yeah. I guess the other thing worth talking about for Ron SmackDown is the King of the Ring tournament is not going the direction I figured it would go at all. It's going exactly um, the direction I thought it would go. <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, I'm su- surprised with the way that they're now working a triple threat match in for next week with Samoa Joe, Baron Corbin, and Ricochet. That finish was interesting. I what The most interesting part for me, not only just the, the direction they're taking these characters, but... The idea, and it was subtle, but they're treating it like a sports replay. Like, that's the first time I've ever seen that, where they he called to the back and said, hey, what did you see here? This is what I saw. Like like a football instant replay or the in a baseball game where they're checking to make sure the runner was safe at first. Like, 
I've never seen them do that before. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden they have it. They've got slow motion replay and WWE. Like it was weird, right? And and then the decision to come out of that was that both guys won. I thought that was yeah. odd, right? Like it just yeah. In the really end, strange. Has, I, guys lose or something, yeah. Yeah, I also didn't expect Chad Gable to be where he's at. You know, I I don't mind it. I just didn't see that coming at all, right? To be beating Andrade and to be beating other guys, maybe Shelton Benjamin's no big deal, but he's still in this. I mean, he could win it. Like I think Baron Corbin's going to take it at the end of the day. Um, the King Corbin thing just makes sense to me, but it does, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just I'm a little surprised with the way that it's going. Did you like the whole? ricochet Samoa Joe angle with the the replay call into the back thing or did you think it was silly I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing I I like the fact that it's unique like you said you've never seen it before and I just want unique and creative ways to to watch wrestling so good for them for at least trying to incorporate something um I don't know how they'd use it in the future because a lot of like storylines are built off of like oh no this referee made a mistake and I'm mad at that and well we're gonna have another match next year uh, next month because I deserve it and I didn't actually lose so you can't have that if you have a system where it's like oh well no, well, no actually we saw that that you didn't actually lose so we we're gonna restart the match but we've had that in the past too where like a referee for some reason some matches will come out and be like no 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 that's not what happened you have to restart the match. But in 99% of the situations, that doesn't happen. So why does it happen once out of every you know thousand times? Uh, so WWE is good at using rules when they uh, whenever they want to, and and avo- ignoring them and avoiding them whenever they don't want to, <laughs> whatever's convenient for them, whatever Vince McMahon's feeling in the moment. Because that guy is the most um, uncertain person I think in the world <laughs> as far as plans go. He always wants things to change, and I would be that way too sometimes because. I'm sure you're in the same way in certain situations where you have a certain opinion one day and the next day you think, ah, maybe this could be you go the other way. Maybe this guy deserves to win or that guy should win. Or I've had conversations on the podcast where I've totally convinced myself of certain things after being against it in a span of 30 seconds. So when you're in that, in that kind of situation, it's easy to change your mind on that stuff. So I think that's where this comes from, where he, he has like, oh, well, this time the referee goes out or that time we have a replay system. Uh, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It's just what it is, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. It'll be interesting to see where they go with it. I still think if you had to pick a winner, who's coming out of that match? Well, Baron Corbin's winning the whole thing still. Yeah, uh, I think the last thing we should probably touch on before closing this week is that uh, Tuesday, Undertaker's coming to SmackDown. There's no word yet on whether or not he's going to be at Clash of Champions. It sounds like he's coming because they're having issues selling tickets to Madison Square Garden, which is why Austin will be on Monday's Raw to be the no. What's the word I'm looking for? Moderator. The, yeah, the, uh, yeah. The, he's doing the contract, the moderator, right? And then uh, Undertaker will be there. But the you know the popular question or the buzz might be: Are they working towards something with the Fiend and the Undertaker? If true, would you like to see that? Eh, like they've done with the legend, the legend stuff with the Fiend. Undertaker still looks great. Don't use under just use Undertaker and, and wins at this point, right? We don't need to get anybody over. It's never gone well, like with Roman Reigns beating him with. Uh, Brock Lesnar beating him with Bray Wyatt losing to him. The only one of the three that really makes sense to win in that situation. Uh, it doesn't make sense to have Undertaker come out for anything other than to look dominant and be the dead man. I don't even need to see him wrestle a match ever again. Just seeing Undertaker is cool. Well, unless you go the opposite way and you, you have the Fiend just destroy him. Yeah, but what does that get you? Gets you a huge rub for the Fiend. I mean, people do know that the Undertaker at this point is not what he used to be. 
but he did have a decent ma- comeback match again versus um, who the heck did he just fight? The uh, he came back for another match to. Uh, I, I to honestly, kind of, why am I also blanking on this? Because this just ha- oh, it was, the, uh, it was a tag team match, right? Yeah, where he looked way better than his match against Goldberg. Um, yeah, where he fought with Roman Reigns and yeah. Drew McIntyre or whatever, right? And Shane McMahon. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why we so both like, blanked on that so hard. That <laughs> yeah, that's it crazy. wasn't even that long but, ago. Like it just happened. <laughs> right. But that's what I mean. Like it that it's still kind of fresh in people's minds and that he looked a lot better and that you're trying to push the fiend. There is still some value in having, you know, the Undertaker show up and the fiend just destroy him. Right. Yeah. Like it's not good for the Undertaker, but at this point, maybe this is where he gives back a little bit and says, Okay, here's the most popular guy right now to me in wrestling and there is a lot of word that he is helping. Bray Wyatt with his character development. So I'm sure the two of them are close and maybe he says, okay, well, what can I do here? Well, maybe I can do this for this guy. And with them moving the fiend into a match at, you know, for the universal title here at hell in the cell, clearly they have big plans for him. So maybe they're doing something there. I don't know if that's going to happen. I can't imagine that they'll ever have a match at like a WrestleMania or anything like that. But, um, there is, you know, some merit to that argument. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, but, I am looking forward to seeing how they use Austin on Monday and The Undertaker on Tuesday because you don't know what you're going to do with those two guys. And if the only reason you're bringing them in is because you're having a hard time telling, selling tickets to those shows at Madison Square Garden, hope you have a plan for them. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, you, you anyway. don't want to just have them show up to show up. <laughs> yeah. Well, buddy, I think maybe we should leave her there. We've been going close to an hour, so we'll, uh, I think we've covered a lot of the topics that we need to cover. But we'll uh, we'll touch again next week on uh, Ron SmackDown as we get into some of the uh, the other pay-per-views. But, I mean, the big news is that we've got some TV shows coming up here and some major moves in the next couple of weeks. So that's probably what the news will be about. There just seems to be rumors dropping all over the place about who's going where and what's going to happen. So we'll have to keep our eyes on that. Um, let's remind everybody before we go where they can hear us. Yeah, so uh, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Anchor.fm is where we host our show primarily. So that's also other option for you and really anywhere that you want to see or, or like your podcast is where uh, where you can find us cool man okay well we'll uh we'll leave her there for this week and i'll talk to you again next week but until then uh, it's been another edition episode 25 of the smart marks of wrestling podcast presented by the sports.com thanks buddy